The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. It's Friday the 8th of September here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, the Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon says media attacks have reduced him to a caricature. The White House says that Joe Biden has no plans to sit down with the Chinese Premier at the G20 summit. Plus, we bring you our exclusive reporting on the bogus plane parts supplier who may have faked LinkedIn profiles for its employees too. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon says he feels he's been caricatured by some recent press coverage. Speaking to CNBC, the head of one of Wall Street's biggest banks says, quote, it's not fun watching some of the personal attacks in the media. Bloomberg's Chris Pace reports. A failed retail venture, DJing and heavy use of the corporate jet. Those are just some of the criticisms of David Solomon appearing in the business press. That's despite the Goldman CEO scoring record annual profits. The bank's stock has climbed almost 50% since Solomon took the helm. Yet even rival CEOs casually point out the bank's major tensions. Solomon says his focus remains on the firm's performance. He put the criticism down to strategic changes at the firm and declines in bonuses. In London, Chris Pitt, Bloomberg Radio. Well, the comments from Solomon come as Goldman is said to be planning to dismiss its worst performers as soon as next month. The lender had paused its annual cull of its workforce during the pandemic. The Financial Times says that the bank's staff cuts will be at the lower end of its usual 1% to 5% range. Apple is looking to stave off a crisis in China just days before the launch of its next iPhone. The product unveiling now risks being overshadowed by a growing government ban in Apple's largest market outside of the US. The news sent Apple's shares sliding, erasing $190 billion from the firm's market value in just two days. MapSignal's chief investment strategist, Alec Young, says a key concern is the resurgence in Chinese nationalism by consumers. There's no question that part of the negative inferences that are swirling around right now is this idea that Apple gets caught up in a nationalist rivalry between the U.S. uh, and China. Um, If iPhones, for example, were to become stigmatized throughout Chinese society over the next few months to the point that it depressed demand, those types of narratives um, inevitably are popping into investors' minds right now. Alex Young's comments are reflected in the markets. Traders have been selling everything from chip stocks to and mega cap technology to US listed Chinese firms. The US government has begun an official probe into an advanced made-in-China chip in Huawei's latest smartphone. Exclusive reporting by Bloomberg has set off a debate in Washington about the effectiveness of sanctions intended to contain Beijing. Here's the view of Dan Hutchison, who's the vice chair of Tech Insights. Now, they are the company that our reporters worked with in order to break down Huawei's Mate 60 Pro device and uncover the technology technology inside. 
they've been able to clearly get from the 14 nanometer to the next generation, which is seven nanometer. And it's a pretty clean looking device in terms of when we got in and we looked at the, the devices. So it shows that there was a really lot of excellent engineering on the part of the SMIC engineers to bring this part to market. Tech Insights' Dan Hutchison says that the original objective of the U.S. sanctions was to keep China's fabrication capability behind that of the United States. While China is progressing more rapidly than expected, he says that they still appear to be behind their geopolitical rival. The White House says President Joe Biden does not intend to meet Chinese Premier Li Qiang during the summit, uh, during the Group of G20 summit this weekend in Delhi. Both China's leader Xi Jinping and Russian President Vladimir Putin have now confirmed they will not be attending the summit. The US President will be hoping to seize on their absence to court nations they've tried to influence. But former US Ambassador to Beijing Max Boca says that won't be easy. The bigger danger, frankly, is that there'll be various blocks that'll develop. President Biden, Western countries one, China with some of the South countries another, President Modi himself. Then don't forget Saudi Arabia is there, the Mideast countries. The South countries' power is rising. The big danger is that there's not going to be much of an agreement because each of the power blocks is going to be looking more to increase its position in the world. Focus out of the China's most recent economic struggles have dented Xi's global standing. Now, UK job recruiters say that demand for staff fell at the fastest pace in more than three years. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts reports now. The UK's buoyant jobs market is showing more signs of cooling. The Recruitment and Employment Confederation's measure of permanent staff placements dropped to 39 in August, a reading well under the threshold of 50 that indicates a decline. Demand dropped at the fastest pace in three years, with demand for temporary staff also shrinking for the first time since COVID. While unwelcome news for job seekers, the data does point to lower inflationary pressures from the labour market, something the Bank of England will be watching closely. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Radio. Health officials are warning that a new highly mutated variant of coronavirus is circulating across Europe. Doctors fear fear the new Parola COVID strain is triggering a surge in cases across a number of countries. It's still unclear if emerging variants are associated with more severe disease or a reduction of vaccine effectiveness. Those are your top stories. These are the markets uh, right now. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index is down by six-tenths of 1%. Eurostoxx 50 futures are higher a tenth of 1% this morning. And looking at benchmark yields, 10-year US Treasury yields trading down two basis points at 4.22%. Well, after our conversation yesterday, Caroline, with the Lloyds of London CEO, another story about insurance caught my eye this morning. And it's actually to do with how much the skyrocketing cost of home insurance in the US is dictating where people can live. So at one end of the scale, you have the likes of exclusive enclaves in Miami, Star Island, premium running to as high as $620,000 a year. But rates in Florida have actually tripled in the past three years and insurers are pulling back from the state. This is to do with the risks, uh, increased risk linked to climate change, more yeah. hurricanes, more flooding, meaning it's more expensive. And a lot of people are actually having to move out of neighbourhoods because they can't afford the insurance 
on their homes there. And I do think that this is something new. This is something that the insurance industry only just now in the world has really begun to grapple with. Yes, I think the um, boss of uh, Lloyds of London was so interesting. He was saying to us when he talked to us about the results that uh, prices have gone up 9%. But he pointed out, for example, that we saw a hurricane in California for the first time since 1935. Um, but I think that you know Europe is still very much underinsured. I mean, in the US, it's sort of common to understand that there are extreme weather events. Less so, I think, still in Europe. But insurance brokers in this story saying that if you only had a 20% increase in your house insurance this year, you were doing well and that some people are Mm. facing increases of up to 800% when it comes to renew their premiums as well. So certainly a really interesting story to watch as we are thinking about how these major weather events might affect the future of insurance and, and And as I say, where people can afford to live now. It's not just house prices that are influencing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So that's a story that uh, caught our eye. But of course, we have to think about uh, what's going on geopolitically as well this morning. Let's get more on this weekend's G20 summit. So the US President Joe Biden will attend the event in Delhi, but he won't be meeting with China's Premier Li. Leaders are expected to discuss issues from the economy to food security and so much more. Bloomberg Opinion Columnist Karishma Vaswani joins us now for more. What do you think is actually at stake at this G20 summit? You know, this isn't something that's that's market moving, but geopolitically is very significant. Yeah, and in terms of the geopolitics, it really doesn't get bigger than this in terms of what's at stake, Caroline. You know, you've got a packed agenda in Delhi this weekend. Economic issues, of course, always at the top of minds there. Climate change, a key concern as well. Restructuring of multilateral development banks like the World Bank, for instance, also really important. And there's a lot of push and pull on all of these issues, frankly, Caroline, because, of course, you have emerging nations who are hoping to get more funding from the rich ones. And that's just one of the issues that's got this club of 20 countries divided. There's also obviously the Ukraine war. And I think it's worth saying, you know, Caroline, I was at the last G20 in Bali. This was a major sticking point at that point as well. At that time, the host Indonesia was pushing nations to get some sort of consensus through on the language for that final communique, which they managed to do in a quite hurried fashion. In fact, it's not clear whether that's going to happen this time around with host India. And if they don't get a communique, it's pretty significant. It would be the first time in the history of the G20 that that doesn't happen. Yes, that's something we'll be watching for very closely as well. We've had a lot of focus on who's attending this meeting, uh, Karishma. Xi Jinping not there. How significant is that? I don't think you can get away from the fact that this is pretty significant, right? I mean, you know, he's the leader of the world's second largest economy. He's a huge international player. And I was just writing about this in a column for Bloomberg Opinion this week, in fact. And as much as India and the US try and downplay this, it's, you know, you can't get away from the fact that not having Xi Jinping at the G20 summit isn't just bad for China, it's bad for the rest of us because this relationship between the US and China arguably is the most pivotal of our time. And relationships take time. They take effort. They take face-to-face contact. There was the expectation, I think, there was the hope that Xi Jinping and Joe Biden would actually meet at the G20. That's not going to happen. There's now some doubt, some speculation about whether Xi Jinping will attend APEC, another possible opportunity for the two leaders to meet. Again, 
possibly not happening. When you have these two players not sitting down to have a conversation the way they did at the G20 in Bali, it must be said, it's really dangerous for the rest of us and particularly because it's happening at a time of the Chinese economic slowdown and also signs that China is turning more inward and more comfortable with countries that are more welcoming to it. But what do you think the message from Narendra Modi will be? India hosting this summit and and clearly wanting, you know, to to make a, a major statement about its future economically. Yeah, that's such a good point, Caroline, because, of course, India is trying to position itself as the other important rising Asian power. And it has to be said, economically, it is doing well. Uh, You know, it's managed to pull together all of these nations at the G20 summit. It's sort of India's coming out party, if you will, and particularly for Narendra Modi. It's hugely important ahead of that election year. But I think trying to bring all of these competing voices together, notwithstanding that, India also has a bit of a credibility problem because, you know, on the one hand, it's saying that it's this rising Asian power. It is the bulwark against China. It is the ally or the partner, rather, of the West. But at the same time, it has this rather weird, I mean, there's no other word for it, relationship that it continues to have with Russia. And that is problematic because it is supposed to be this Western partner being in the Quad, for instance. But at the same time, it doesn't condemn the Ukraine war at the United Nations. It abstains from votes and it hasn't joined U.S led sanctions against Russia. So, you know, frankly, it's a really difficult line for India to tread and to balance. The other big thing, of course, is it's trying to be the voice of the global south, but it's got big competition. China's not going to let that happen. Karishma, Karishma Vaswani, our new Bloomberg Opinion columnist. Thank you so much for joining us. We've known each other for many years, Karishma. I'm delighted that you're with us on Bloomberg Radio. The debut uh, conversation, but many more to come. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Let's bring you the latest now on a story that we brought you on the programme last week. A little-known London-based parts supplier that was supplying aircraft spare parts with documents that were falsified. Bloomberg has now found that even the employees that claim to work at the company on LinkedIn may also be fake. Our senior reporter, Sid Arthur Phillip, joins us now for the details of this story. Um, Sid, just bring us, first of all, a little bit of the background around this to remind us what exactly is AOG Technics and what do they do? Yeah, so AOG Technics is a little-known company that I didn't really know much about until last week when we broke that story about how uh, they were sort of involved in documentation that's fraudulent for parts. So essentially, every single aircraft part that's sold around the world has documentation and certification behind it to prove that it's genuine as the industry is like one of the most certified industries in the world. And AOG Technics was one of those suppliers in the mix of it. And they were falsifying uh, records for uh, some jet engine parts, which are crucial, including engine turbine blades. And so 
essentially the regulators are looking into this now and trying to see what the extent of the problem was and how how much the how pervasive mm. the issue is yeah it was a staggering story um yes. you know something absolutely new and hugely important for the industry how was it discovered what are the regulators saying because it's a number of regulators absolutely i mean so the ca in the uk is looking into it EASA is looking into it. Uh, we understand that the US regulators are looking into it. And essentially, everyone, everyone's trying to see what the extent of this issue is because the company's been around since 2015. And we know that uh, at least some of the parts include turbine blades that we wrote about a couple of days ago. And essentially, for the air aviation industry where trust and certification is everything, mm. this is a massive issue. And or everyone's sort of trying to stamp it out. Talk to us about the latest strand of this story that we're reporting on, you're reporting on today, which is to do with the people who purported to be employees of this company. Yeah, absolutely. This was actually a fascinating look into sort of the profiles of the people who work there. And so if you go onto LinkedIn, uh, the chief, the purported chief commercial officer of the company is someone called Ray Kwong. And Ray Kwong's picture is a stock photograph. And similarly for other employees of the company where we did reverse image searches and we found that their images go from anywhere from a dementia care specialist as well a dentist's uh, dentist practice blog all sorts of things and so the company may have sort of built up its reputation citing people who don't actually work there Wow. Okay. What's next then, potentially, in this story? What What are you watching out for? We're looking to see what the sort of scale of the problem is, to be honest, because I think at the moment we don't have a fix on how big and how pervasive the issue is, how many aircraft might be potentially impacted, and what regulators' sort of measures will be taken in terms of regulators' action and sort of prosecution, if possible, because this is a pretty serious issue for the industry. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.